Welcome to the Fizzle Show! I don't know, I was trying to go up high and that's what we got. We got a wow! What's up everybody, my name is Chase Reeves and this is the Fizzle Show where every week we talk about things that are interesting to entrepreneurs, to indie business builders, alright? That's you. Is that you? Are you building something that you uh, want to support your family with? Are you building something to get away from the like rat race of the daily grind, uh, commuting into work, and all that kind of stuff? Or maybe if you're anything like me, just like just to sort of maybe just to pretend that one day I won't have to wake up with that feeling of existential dread that just drains all the energy from me as I run frantically or walk like a mummy to get what my what my only drug is that can snap me into actually doing what I need to do and that's my coffee and so I got really into coffee maybe that's you maybe that's where you're at but that's what we're about here we're about talking about business ideas uh, business tips tools strategies uh, just business concepts motivations inspiration that can help all of us get past these mental roadblocks that we have get past these these like stupid voices in our brain get past these these like these things we just don't know sometimes we don't know that the world works like this and that if you you know poke over here as Steve Jobs says this other thing pops out over there well when you know how to do that turns out you can you can earn a living doing something you care about online maybe maybe i'm joined by Corbett Barr Steph Corbett Corbett say what's up what's up wow Wow, that is so like motivating just to hear your energy, just like so entrepreneurial. And Steph Crowder, how are you? I am great. Hi, everybody. Whoa, there was a stutter there, Corbett. Did you hear that? She was like, I am great. I am it was like, what is so going on, great. Steph? Are you okay? Are you okay? Just, is everything all right? No, I'm just gearing myself up for today's episode because uh, I might get fired up, guys. I don't know. I'm excited to talk about this. <laughs> Steph's all worked up into a lather already. I really am. Steph's. Steph's worked up. Steph's worked up because this is a uh, a conversation that we're going to get into some uh, some stuff that definitely fires up our you know the den mama at mm-hmm. Fizzle. Um, what we're going to talk about today is: Do you have to spend money to make money? Is that something that we have to do? Right, um, Corbett, set this topic up for me a little bit. I love this topic and I, I'm surprised that we haven't covered it before, right? And I think this is something that is on everyone's mind. When you think about an entrepreneur, you think about someone who has to max out their credit cards, take out a second mortgage, and really just spend a bunch of money in order to grow your business. There are things that, that are going to cost you, you know, and we're going to cover some of what those things are today. Um, but I think this is a question that people have and, and it's one of the fears that people have. If I'm going to try to build a business, is this going to make me go broke before mm. I can actually start putting food on the table? And, mm. um, I think it's advice that you hear a lot. You know, that's an old adage that you've heard a million times, right? Everybody, everybody hears that. And, and a lot of times it's, you know, your, your uncle at the Thanksgiving table, right? Well, you got to spend money to make money. And you wonder, like, where does that come from and how true is that? Mm, love it. So, uh, I don't know, Corbin, what do you think the best place to start is with this conversation? Like, we, because I think, I don't know, setting it up for me, 
I know there are lots of businesses out there. This this concept of you have to spend money to make money is something that that like anyone in entrepreneurship who's been in the business world for a while has heard because it's very popular, common advice. Frankly, because it's very true when you get to a like for most businesses of a certain size, right? But what we're talking about right now and who we're specifically talking to are those, you know, solo entrepreneurs, people who have a business and they want it to grow next, or people who are thinking about starting a business and they want to like make it all happen. These people might be thinking, do I need to hire professionals to help me write the sales page or the homepage? Do I need to hire a professional designer and get my website looking really uh, unique and different from everything else? Do I need to start running advertisements on Facebook? Do I need to spend that money? Do I need to check out my options for going to the bank and getting a loan on a small business? Right? It's looking at all of this kind of 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 thinking that an entrepreneur can go through, especially early on. And this is where I think this advice, you have to spend money to make money. It isn't a one-stop solution for every single business problem. And I think that's one of the things that gets us pissed off when we see entrepreneurs thinking that way, that they think they think they're actually doing, they're being big boys and girls, right? There's this, like you want to, you know, a lot of entrepreneurship is like, you have to step up and and get over your fear and do the things that are challenging. Well, one of those things that's very scary and challenging is the idea of like spending a lot of money on something, right? So it feels like this is just one of those fears I've just got to get over. But the truth is, no, this can be extremely flawed advice for where you are to pour money into your business, thinking that it's going to magically make it grow. So Corbett, maybe this is a great place to start. Just maybe you can school us all a little bit on this concept that you brought up. Like money just isn't magic. Yeah. And and we should uh, maybe caveat just a little bit here. All businesses spend money, right? At mm-hmm. some point, your your profit is your revenue, the sales, the money that you take in minus your costs, right? So everybody has costs and you're spending money and you're trying to make as much profit as possible to spend as little as possible in order to bring in the revenue that you're bringing in. But some businesses have to spend a lot more money than others. There are some like Tesla, for example, that is spending billions and billions of dollars and hasn't turned a profit yet. So there are definitely some kinds of businesses where you have to spend money because you know you have manufacturing costs and all kinds of things in order to pr- produce your product before you can even earn your first dollar or before you can scale things up and earn enough dollars to be profitable. So there are certain kinds of businesses that businesses out there that spend money. And I think that's different from the kind of business that we usually talk about, the kinds of businesses that people approach us with. Thinking about the businesses that I've run over the years, the 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 common denominator for me in terms of what has cost me is just my living expenses for the most part. I think about a couple of stretches of time where I did watch my bank account my bank account dwindle. And that wasn't because I was spending a bunch of money necessarily on designers and copywriting and ads and everything that Chase mentioned earlier. It was just that I had a period of time where I had quit a job or I didn't have a job and I was trying to build a business. And so I had to pay my rent and, you know, actually eat and go out to dinner and things like that. And that cost money, but it wasn't, 
I wasn't watching my bank account dwindle necessarily because I was spending money on the business. There were certain things, and we'll talk about that. But this, the, the problem here is that you hear that you have to spend money to make money, and people have this sense that money is somehow magic. We have this grass is greener feeling that if only I could spend money, I could make my business work. And this happens a lot of times in the beginning or when we're at a plateau and we just can't figure out how to make a breakthrough. We just think, oh, if I just had, you know, several thousand dollars or or whatever, if I just had some investors or something, I could spend money and then all my problems would go away. But that's not what happens. I know firsthand because I spent $3 million on a business that we raised from venture capitalists and it didn't magically make it a success. In fact, you can look at the numbers, how many VC backed businesses actually end up succeeding. And it's just a small percentage. There are so many bets that are made out there by investors and venture capitalists that cost hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars. And yet they don't end up going anywhere. And I think that tells you right there that money isn't magic. And also the other side of this is that we often listen to businesses that are well-established. We listen to people that are further along than us. And we hear that they just hired somebody, you know, to run customer service for them, or they just hired a fabulous new designer, or they just remade their entire homepage and, and, you know, hired the best copywriter in the business, or they're spending X thousands of dollars on Facebook ads, right? How many businesses do we hear like that? Oh, I, you know, or you read an income report and you see that they spend $30,000 a month in Facebook ads. And you think to yourself, well, if I could just spend $30,000 a month in Facebook ads, then I would be making $100,000 a month or whatever it is. But that's not the case because what works for big established businesses doesn't necessarily work for yours. You don't have the funnel figured out. You don't know who your customer is intimately. You don't know how that customer finds you and what buttons you can push to get them to see your solution as something that can fix their problems. You haven't ironed all that out yet. So if you spend a bunch of money on ads or copywriting on something that isn't figured out, it's probably money down the drain. And hold on. So that's a, that's a really big point. I think like camp out there for a second. Like this is in my experience of doing a business, uh, like this and, and of working with thousands and thousands of entrepreneurs in fizzle, right? Like this is one thing. I mean, you need to know this listener. Like, like there are other people that know so much more about like big business moments about like, you know, acquisitions and mergers and like taking out the competition and about having, you know, a hundred million dollars in sales every quarter or something like that. Like, I don't know much about that stuff, but I have worked at, and, and all three of us on this call have worked with so damn many like early days indie entrepreneurs people with heart and chutzpah people who have some hustle and they're ready to do it people who are like probably going to be successful whether or not they listen to us they've just got that kind of thing or people who are like might be successful whether or not they they listen to us because they yeah they like they might they might have this sort of flair for this who knows how, where this is going to go right and so we've we not only have had a lot of interactions with these kind of people but we had a lot of interactions with these people over time like over several years right and got to see this kind of go what is challenging about a business is exactly what Corbett was just talking about. Figuring out what the people actually want. 
figuring out what the people want that you can get to them. Figuring out what the people want that you can get to them that won't burn you out. Right? Right? Like that little trifecta right there. And there's probably a more elegant way of putting it. But that little trifecta right there, that's the difficult thing. Like that's the, what's that, Corbett, who wrote that book, The the Hard Thing About Hard Things? Or wasn't that a big entrepreneur book? Mm, yeah. Sounds familiar. Ben, yeah. ben Horowitz that's or like something? A, Ben Horowitz or something like that, right? The, like the truth about hard things, I don't know what. Yeah. But that is the hard thing. Seth Godin always talks about do the hard thing first. Know what the important thing, the hard thing is, and that's the hard stuff. So, like Corbett's saying, if you go spending money, if you go try to be a big boy or a big girl, put it on your big boy clothes and your big boy, big girl clothes, and you go out and you're like, I'm going to spend money on this because this is what entrepreneurs do. You're going to learn a lot. I mean, it might not, you might end up even making it work, right? But that doesn't, that's not where you have to start. You, you, it's not like a terrible place to start. If you can just spend money and you're okay with losing the money and you're okay with just learning through spending the money and whatever, maybe, I mean, I don't want to turn this into a villain. Like if you're paying for anything, like that's not what we're trying to say. What we are saying is, is there's more to the puzzle than just spending money. Money isn't magic. And Corbett, if, if you have something else, do you have something else to say that you were heading into right there before I so rudely cut you off? Because I kind of want to hear Steph tell a little story uh, uh, from her perspective. Yeah, let's hear let's hear Steph's story. Okay, All right. Steph, what are you thinking? What are story you time. Okay, so yeah, I, I'm, I totally agree with, I, I think we just also made a really important distinction just now that's worth underscoring, which is that, you know, the objective, I think, of this conversation is not to walk away feeling like, okay, I can't spend any money on anything. It's not that. I think that there's definitely smart money to be spent. I think what we're talking about more than that is this, it's a, it's a philosophy, honestly. It, it's, it's one way of approaching business. And with that, I'll just, I'll, I'll share, it's not even just one conversation. It's actually multiple conversations I've had recently. So I do a lot of coaching. I coach uh, fizzlers with our express fizzler coaching, which every new member gets a chance to, to get unstuck with a 30 minute call with me, which is super fun. And then I have my own coaching business where I take clients in a more in-depth kind of way. And I've noticed this a lot recently where there's this kind of like overarching belief that Maybe if you aren't spending money on things like what we're going to talk about, you know, a lot of Facebook ads or a perfect sales page or, you know, things of this nature that maybe you're not doing business the quote unquote right way where, you know, and I see this a lot in particular with people who are not in the business of being marketers, if you will, like people who are, you know, they have a craft where they're maybe doing something with their hands or they're creating something for people that's not really in the realm of business advice it fires me up because, um, you know, a lot of people I think have been led to believe that they don't know enough just by having a really cool product or service that they somehow don't have the know-how or they don't know how to sell. They're not in the quote unquote in the know about all of the fancy things that they should be doing. So, you know, people use terms like nurture sequence or tripwire and all of these terms that people preach about, whether it's on a podcast or in their own businesses. And it's just, I think it's what, what we're talking about is an over-reliance on strategy. And don't get me wrong. I'm a big fan of strategy. I, I definitely have a strategic mind, but at the end of the day, I think sometimes it's too much of a good thing. So we hear podcasts or advice from people who've been in business, like Corbett said, for eight, 10 plus years, and they're telling us about all the things they're spending money on to really scale the business. 
And the truth is that's a whole different level than being somebody who's just trying to really you know, take the first step of earning an honest living, doing something that you really, really care about. And all of us, I think mm. if you're listening to this podcast, you're in this because you have a thing that you want to bring to the world. You want to impact people's lives with your product or service. You have a cause that you care about. You have a thing that you just want to get out there into the world because you love the way that it feels when it connects with the right person. It's like magic when you see the light bulb go off for somebody. And somehow this whole philosophy about, you know, you need to spend $4,000 a month in advertisements and agencies and copywriting, et cetera, in order to be quote unquote legit. It has me asking the question, when did it stop being enough to really do important work and build a community who just loves what you're doing. Because in my experience, and like Chase said, we have a ton of it with thousands of entrepreneurs, you can get pretty damn far by serving really hard, by creating something and having your ear to the ground in terms of what people really need and building a community around that, creating a network of people who really trust you. We're talking six figures and beyond with maybe, maybe you have a VA or something like that. So the fact that I've... just in the past couple of weeks had multiple encounters with people who've, you know, gotten this impression that they need to be spending the same, if not more than what they're bringing home in the early stages of their business to be legit. I just have a bone to pick with that mentality because that's not what you got into this for. We're all here because we really care about earning an independent living, doing something we care about. And you know, it's perfectly legit to just really invest in creating the connections that are going to take you there. And yes, there are smart places to spend money. But again, I think it's that overarching belief that you have to dump tons of money into this like perfect strategy. There's like a formula out there that makes you a legit business. And I think what we're out to prove is that that's, it doesn't really exist. It's not, there's no shortcut for this. And beyond that, the point here is not to create a business that just runs itself necessarily. I think the point here, what we're all in this for is to do, do something that we really enjoy. So I don't know. That's, that's, that's the experience that I've had lately with, with multiple people who I think um, have really important work that they want to do, but maybe have been led to believe that they're not doing it right. If they're not spending X amount of dollars in certain places in their business. So you're saying this strategy, this almost um, this error uh, uh, in over strategy or something like that uh, is this idea that I don't have a real business unless I'm spending money. And it sounds like what you're saying is, no, you have a real business when people want what you sell and you're able to sell that to them and fulfill your promise of that sale to them. Is that right? Yeah. And it also, I'll just add on top of that, like the past week, it feels like I've given at least three people the homework of going back into their offices or wherever they feel creative and writing out what would be fun. Like, how could you make your business fun again? And that really bums me out because strategy is meant to support our mission, but it's really easy for all of the fun and all of the energy and all of the passion to be lost in the whole process of over strategizing. Like if the number of times I've had conversations recently with people when I've asked like, what's fun in your business? And they kind of give a sad chuckle and say nothing. It's like, no, 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 hold on, hold on here. We can't, you know, like take this to the point where you don't even enjoy the work anymore because that was the whole point in the first place. Mm, I love and, that. And I, I, I think what I'm what I'm hearing in that Steph is that when people start asking about how they can spend money to accelerate their results, 
it may be a symptom that they've kind of given up on the the real uh, important roll up your sleeves work inside the business and that um, spending money can also because of what you have to do in order to spend money effectively, like on Facebook ads and so on, it can suck some of the joy out of the business as well, especially if you focus on it too early. Yeah, exactly. And I Mm. think in so many cases, you know, people pick your, pick your industry. You got into what you're doing because you love uh, pottery or you love music or teaching people how to play guitar or whatever. And all of a sudden you wake up and you have like a marketing business <laughs> and that's not really mm. what you're here to do. Yes. All of us need to have the business hat that we put on. Uh, but, and I think Corbett mentioned this a few minutes back, there's also so much to be said for, for doing the work in such a way that it makes people really excited about what you're doing. Like that's still a very legitimate, maybe the most legitimate business function is to create the product and service that people really want. And I think that gets lost in the shuffle of strategy, comparisonitis, what's everybody else doing, all of that stuff. I think this makes me think of, um, Corbett, were you about to say something or were no, you rolling? Ahead. Okay, what this makes me think of or want to talk about for a second, before we like identify a handful of these categories where, where we've noticed that people are feeling like they should be spending money and we're going to give you some advice on what some options, what some, you know, like maybe some alternatives are or what, what's a, some maybe intelligent ways to think about that given, given, like if you were an experienced entrepreneur, here's how maybe you'd be thinking about that, uh, those categories. But like, what it makes me think of is, okay, like I started in the beginning of the show, there's this thing that culturally so many of us are wanting to get away from. We call it the rat race, or we call it the, um, the, the, what are we, the what is that wheel? thing that's in a, the hamster wheel. Thank you, Corbin. He's like <laughs> right there. The hamster wheel. The idea that you like, I saw a meme today. It's like this, this, like this painting from, you know, 1600s Italy, Florence, some guy just making this horrible grimace like this in this gorgeous oil painting. Like, but this like, it's the image of like, of terror and, and despondency and, and like, like you just realize you're going to be in hell for, for eternity. You know, it's that thing. And then the text up at the top just said, when you realize you have to go through it all again, just for, just to get two more days next weekend. You know, and I think we, a lot of us rec, like resonate with this idea of the hamster wheel, the rat race, and we want to get away from it, right? There's documentaries about it. There's like spiritual practices are on the rise because of it. You know what I mean? The only reason why you're probably listening to this show is because like you, 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 you got influenced into towards this direction somehow, little nudges along the way. And one of the things that comes with this idea of the rat race or of the hamster wheel is, is you wake up every morning and there's just like more crap to do. Like I learned this lesson when for a while I tried to be at like inbox zero. You know what this is when you get your email to like nothing to zero and you keep it that way? Well, <laughs> what you realize as soon as you do that and you try to keep it up, what you realize is people just keep emailing you, right? And if you're sending an email back to someone who emailed you, like they're just going to start, they're going to, that just, now they're sending you another email, right? (laughs) So like inbox zero isn't the goal, you know, because it, it, you kind of have to get used to the fact that there's going to be in your inbox. You know, this is something, the guy who came up with the idea of Inbox Zero, this is actually a really great metaphor for this, actually, I'm realizing. His name's Merlin Mann. He's, like, one of my, like, first, like, original, like, internet hero guys. Um, 
and he he did this big talk at Google about Inbox Zero and how to get it and yada yada yada. And then within about like a, within like it seemed like a handful of months from that, he completely recanted from the idea of it. He's like, you know what? It's just it's totally it's totally un um, not unattainable, but it's un like keep like keep on doing it a bull, right? <laughs> right? I think there's a word that, that's like that, but it's un keep on doing it a bull. Right? He realized that because he's a very popular person. He has lots and lots of traffic to his websites, lots and lots of this, that, and the other. And it's like emails just come unbidden, unasked for, right? Go look at all the emails that come in unasked for. So there's always stuff to be, if you make your job getting your inbox to zero, then you're like constantly managing that. But if, however, you go like, yeah, there's going to be some email. I'll go through it every now and again, and I'll just I'll just clear out the bull crap. I, I see things that are important as they go by, and and I clear out the bull crap whenever I get a chance. But you don't make it your main thing in life, like like you don't make it like. So I have to have my inbox at zero in order to feel happy. Well, the same thing can happen as we think about the rat race, as we think about the hamster wheel. Please allow me to try to land this plane, okay? I know I've been talking about inboxes for a little while, and everybody's like, wait. Oh, Hold on. What were we talking about before? We were talking about, do you have to spend money to make money? Hold on a second. We're getting into this rat race idea that we all want to distance ourselves from. We all want to find a lifestyle where where it doesn't feel like that, where we can wake up and we can just be like, I don't know, my joke in my head is like, we can all just be just lively, right? And we can all just wake up and go like, oh my God, yes, please, thank you, more. Like, like I, I have the life that I dreamed of, right? That is really difficult to do when what you feel like you need is is there to not be any work that needs to be done, right? So this gets me to this point that I've been trying to make. We're kind of addicted to this idea, or maybe we're idealistic about this idea of passive income, when really, truly, very few passive income businesses are truly passive, Right. Mm -hmm. They require they require work to keep them going. Every entrepreneur like Pat Flynn runs smart passive income income. He's working every day. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what I mean? He's working every day because guess what? He enjoys the work. Yeah, that's what he's found. He's like keeping a business that runs like it's like all these plates that have to keep spinning like Facebook ads. It's just another plate you're going to add that you have to keep spinning. Now it's a profitable plate to keep spinning if it's profitable, right? If you can get it to actually become profitable. Excuse me. All right. Now I'm my brain's starting to do that thing where like I could go in like a hundred different directions and I'm realizing like none of those are going to be very helpful. Can you remember how you started this monologue? <laughs> and so I'm going to try to just land that that way. The the hamster wheel, I think it gets us. It's so important because you realize it is true about life. Like every company that you work for will try to just like uh, like own you right the whole the whole the way that corporations just own all of our life uh, like like is ridiculous is crazy and or own our our government in the united states it sucks but uh we want to distance ourselves from that and have life on our own sort of terms right now what gets into pro what we get into to troubles we get into a mistaken sort of mindset when we feel like we have to get all the work done we, we, we have to be in a point where there doesn't feel like there's a bunch of work, this burden of work. We have to get our inbox to zero, right? And it's like, no, it's not about getting your inbox to zero. It's about knowing how to manage your email, 
right? It's not about having a business that's the golden goose laying business. It's not about having uh, uh, no work to do and the money just rolls in. That's not what you're trying to make. What you're trying to make is a business you can manage, is a business you feel good about. Like I said, those three things, right? They want something. Then number two, they want something you can give them. And then number three, they want something you can give them that won't burn you out. And, and, and hopefully, I think, I think you shouldn't settle for this. I think you need to make that enjoyable to actually deliver to them, right? Because when you can, when you can do a business from there, from a place of you're enjoying yourself, doing the work, even though it's never going to be constantly, it's, it's never going to be done. It's never going to be all, all done. But it just feels so different than that rat race thing. So all that to say, I think we need to get back into a mentality of there's going to be work. And you, and it's not like the same kind of feeling as the dread that comes with, you know, a job that you really hate and you feel trapped by and a life you feel trapped by. But it's, it's work. It's not done and it almost will never be done, but it's fun and it's interesting. And so it's not about finding that golden goose, that magic business. I think a lot of people are stopping short of starting because they don't know if this business idea is going to be magic or not. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, dude, it's never magic. It's always messy. It's never magic. It's always messy, but you can find the motivation in it. I'm sticking with M words here. Magic, messy, motivation. All right. What sticks from that or where should we go next, guys? Because my brain's just been on like uh, spinning around. I have no idea where we are in this conversation. I, I don't know. I, I think it's I think one thing you said that's that's really worth pointing out here and underscoring that I just resonate with so much is this is and this is probably like a side like conversation that just sort of like goes alongside this is I think what people are really focused on when they're listening to this podcast, when they come to fizzle, when they're looking for coaching is I think all of us can agree, like I said before, that we're all just looking for a way. I mean, what this comes down to is earning enough money to live a comfortable life doing something that you care about. And I think it's just really important if you're listening to this and you haven't figured out what that definition is for yourself in terms of what you like, I'm about to talk dollars and cents in terms of what you really would like to be making on a monthly basis. Forget the idea that like infinity money would be the best case scenario. Okay, that's fine. But there's then you're never going to be happy, right? Because that, that, the problem with online business I have found is that there's always more money to be made. And that is not a game you want to play of always saying yes, just because, well, if I say yes, it's more money. It, it's, it's a recipe for disaster. So I think a sidebar for this conversation is being in touch with like, you know, what would feel really good for my family. We've talked a lot on the show about the um, little worksheet that we have for MVI or minimum viable income. And people should check that out if you haven't figured what yours figured out what yours is. And then of course that exercise will get you to figure out what's the number that I need to like keep the lights on in my house. Of course, you're gonna want to get to a point where you get to add a little bit to that and maybe build in things like adventure and travel, kids' college, whatever it is that you have going in your life. But figure out what the heck that number is for you and then then worry about making a plan for getting there. This isn't about making Mm. infinity money. I I think that's really where uh, the ego comes into play. So I think one thing that I've found to be really useful for myself, as well as for people that I've worked with, is understanding what do I even, like what am I even trying to get from this business on a monthly basis? 
And then like learning to just be happy with that. I mean, I think if we, if we could all get to that point, uh, we'd, we'd be in a better world where you've got, you've got the money coming in, you're feeding your family, you're doing the things you want to do and you're enjoying the process. So I think that's, I think an integral part of this conversation as well is figuring out what do I even need this business to do for me? Cause if you don't know the answer mm. to that, it's just going to be that, that hamster wheel that Chase was talking about is just going to keep spinning. Yeah. And I think the infinity money thing makes me think of also, it doesn't need to make infinity money. It also doesn't need to be perfect. Yeah. It just doesn't need to be perfect. I mean, like, like how many times are you not, how, how many times have I look, I'm looking at my life now and I'm in a mode right now where I've, I've taken some leaps and it was really exhilarating and scary. Like I was very, very scared to do it, but there was an invitation and I finally decided to take it. And, um, and it makes me wonder, like, like how much of my life, not just in the last few years, but in the past 30 years, have I just not done stuff because I'm scared of either it not working out or of what other people would think or if other people would would be like like hurt by it or something like that you know like how much of life have i have i done things just out of uh, how have i not done things just out of fear or just out of like it's not going to be perfect mm-hmm. right and so this this thing that like you feel like you have to wait for it to be perfect to start I mean, all of our great modern day saints like Seth Godin, like Elizabeth Gilbert are telling us the same message. Like, don't wait for it to be perfect. Don't wait. Stop waiting to get permission from someone. Just jump out and start doing things. And what I love about this conversation is what I want to do is just dismantle that idea that you have to have money to spend in order to start a business. And it's like there's like Corbett started it with all businesses spend money. But you don't have to spend a bunch of money. That's what's so beautiful about the web. I mean, you could, you could use, you could use a lot of tips and tools on the web that'll save you money. And maybe this is a great time to get into those. Corbett, what do you, what do you think needs to happen next? Yeah. Let's, let's talk about some of the things that people in our audience are always asking themselves or always considering spending money on. And maybe we can talk about scenarios where you should spend money, what you might expect to spend, what some alternatives would be, or how you might even DIY these things. Yeah, I love it. So where, what's the, like, these are, so these are categories that people feel like spending money in or, or like it's common to hear business, like other entrepreneurs, you know, we're all listening to interviews with people and someone's like, wow, man, you know, I just started doing Facebook advertising and things just really took off. You know, there's, the, there's yeah. like a handful of those stories out there where it just like really worked. And then there's like 350,000 businesses trying to do the same thing and finding it's not working at all mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the way that they said it would. Yep. Um, so what, what do you think? What, so yeah, well, so take us into the first one. Yeah, so the, the, the first one, the most common one, I think, for anybody who's doing business online, because this is something everybody has to have, is a website. And people wonder, mm-hmm. do I need to spend money on hiring some sort of fancy designer to make my website look really good? Is that sort of the cost of admission? And if I have a great-looking website, is that going to be the missing piece of the puzzle that, that makes everything fall into place. Yep. So what's what, I mean, what's your take on it? Like you got to have a website, you want your design to look good. And first of all, let's stop for a second and just, now I know the feeling of wanting to have a good website. Now, but when I said that, I that's then I, I completely lied. I have always been a web designer. Okay. 
So I started making websites because I wanted my websites to look a certain way and I knew I was never going to spend any money to, I was never going to be able to spend money to get any help on some, from someone else to do it. So I just kind of started doing the websites the way that I thought looked good that I could do it. Right. Um, now my wife has just been making her own business and it's, and it's growing and it's going really well, but watching her how she feels about what her website needs to look like or feel like I've started to get like a, a sense of, of that feeling. And I'm really close to it now because I'm managing it all the time. Cause I, she tends to go like, Hey, I wanted to kind of do this thing or I wish it did that. And I'll just go like, we'll just do the thing. Just make this like that. Or that's a stupid idea. You shouldn't do that because that'll make it really hard for every other device that tries to read it or this, that, and the other. Right. But I see now because I've gotten into so many fights with her, um, not gotten into fights, meaning I've said so many stupid things. Let me be clarify on that. <laughs> I've been so rude. I've been so rude to her. Um, like just by nature of this, not like really feeling what she's feeling about it. And now I see like, it can make a really big difference when you look professional, when you look unique, when you look like you're the message that you're putting out, which is vastly more important than your design. But when your message does mix well, does like harmonize with the design of it. And then the design feels contemporary. It feels like it helps me like it feels quality right? It feels good. Now, the reason why I'm normally so up in, in, in like, like angry about website stuff is because my whole life I've watched people think it, it's this thing. I don't know what, I haven't watched the movie, the red herring, so I don't know what a red herring is, but it's a red herring. I don't know exactly what they mean by that, but it's this thing <laughs> that like you, you need, uh, you think like you need this if, oh, then once the website's looking really good, then, then it'll start picking up. And I'm like, nope, no, mm-hmm. no, you're wrong. No, incorrect. No, that is wrong. That is wrong. Stop fiddling with your website. So I just developed this really strong reaction to the idea that the website's going to fix anything, right? Go for so, it, Steph. I, just, I have to jump in because I feel like the way you just said that is maybe the central point of possibly this whole episode, which is that I don't think what we're saying at all, we've said it multiple times now, but we're not saying don't spend money in your business, but it's what Chase just said. It's that feeling where like, I think the the trigger you're looking for, or like the little indication that like, mm, okay, this might be something to inspect is if you have that little, that little fill in the blank in your brain that says, if I could just get blank, then I'll feel ready or then I'll feel legit or then I can charge money or whatever your story is on that. I think that's really the central problem that we're poking at right now is like, yes, if you, you know, if there's a a real business case for, for having a website, if you've earned money, like absolutely go and spend money on that. Like all of us have done that and we'll continue to do that. But if you're paying for anything, whether it's a website or, or whatever, and you're doing it because you believe that once you arrive at that, that you're going to feel like now I'm in business. I think that's really what we're talking about as like, no, that's that that feeling is not going to be there just because you pay. It's not going to make you feel any more legit. It's not going to make you feel any more ready. So I just feel like the way you just put that is a really important distinction between spending smart money, which is like, yes, it's time to get a website now that I'm established and I have revenue coming in versus money that I'm going to spend to hopefully make me feel further along than I really am. Yeah. Let me, yeah. Corbett, what do you, let me just, let me just add three little things to this. Um, the first being that I think it's very easy to spend money on design way too early, right? Because when, when we're all getting started, we, 
we are wandering around trying to figure out who we are and what our message is. And it takes a long time to clarify that. And it's easy to spend money on a design. And usually when you spend money on a design, you're also working really hard on your tagline and your headlines and your uh, opt-in box and everything else. And it's really easy to spend money on that and time on that so early in the process that it's going to all be thrown away three months from now or six months from now. I think all of us have mm. those examples in our history where we over-optimized our design before we really knew who we were serving, what our solution was, and how we were going to find those people, right? So yeah. I think when you bring up uh, your wife, it's different because... She is, she has a point of view. She's further along. She's published, you know, X dozens of podcast episodes and so on. So she's refined and kind of to that point now where she wants to put her best foot forward and make the design amplify her message. I think the design mm. can be a multiplier on the message that you're trying to spread. Um, the yeah. second, the second thing that I'd like to bring up is that there are here. Let me just give you three examples that prove that design doesn't actually matter. And those are Craigslist, Wikipedia, <laughs> and Amazon Web Services. Like those mm. three websites are some of the most critical pieces of the entire web. What would our lives be without Wikipedia? What would our lives be without Craigslist? And what would our websites be for a lot of major startups without Amazon Web Services? And yet they have atrocious design. And they've stuck with that yeah. same design since they well, started. Well, hold on, hold on. I'll clarify this. They're actually designed really well. They just don't look fancy. Right. Right? They don't look fancy. They're extremely effective. They're effective. But they don't have that contemporary fanciness, right? Um, those are great examples for that. But it's like, you know how to find if someone's selling a 1982 Toyota Corolla on Craigslist. You just know how to do that. Right, you go there, you'll find it out. Just, even though, it, though there's no gradients or flashy stuff, you, you'll use it well. Same thing with Amazon Web Services, one of the most trafficked and used service on the entire web. Like it's not fancy at all, but when you get there, you'll know how to set it up if you know what you're doing. You know. Now let me give just one last thing here um, in favor of having a fancy design or a design that you really feel good about, and that is that our relationships to our business matter a lot. The way that we feel about our website when we get to show someone or put it out there in the world, I think actually matters a lot. And it, you know, maybe it's a flaw that a lot of us have, you know, not being able to just be comfortable with the fact that our message matters a lot more than our design. But if that's how you feel, if you feel like your website needs to look really good, so that you can, you know, be more active on social media so that you can publish more blog posts and so on, then I think that's an okay game to play with yourself. I think that's all right to spend money on mm. that so that you feel really good about it. Maybe you recommit to your business. Maybe you um, are okay reaching out to people that you felt scared about reaching out to before because you felt amateurish or something about how your design was. Mm. Mm -hmm. Love it. Okay. So, so like, like, 
let's talk about just briefly uh, a couple alternatives to this. I highly recommend when we're starting out, we use a tool like WordPress or Squarespace. <laughs> just in case anybody's still thinking of, of hand coding their web- <laughs> website. All right. Second of all, uh, Squarespace, obviously you cannot use until you choose your, t- your theme or your template, right? And those templates are great and they host them for you. And like, if you can use Squarespace, do it. A lot of us have used Squarespace and have since moved off to WordPress. Um, but I still think it's one of the better places to start. Um, if you can, cause it's just like less startup cost in terms of time and energy and effort. However, on WordPress, you can find great, uh, themes and templates to start out with that don't necessarily cost very much money. A lot of them are free, but, or you can go into like the 90 to $200 category and you could search those on like themeforest.com or something like that. And get it going. Uh, I think these tools are, are what I highly recommend is you find a template you can stick with and then just do what the template tells you to do. Hey, you got to have an image here and we're going to use a headline there. Perfect. But vast majority of the important stuff that happens on your website is purely, purely text. Get this through your head right now. Get this into your heart right now. What your website has in terms of text. Text matters 95% more than what it looks like. Now, I, I mean, if you have great text, but it looks really horrible and you can't read it, like, you know, that 5% really matters. But your text is what matters most. So maybe we should talk about copywriting next, Corbett. Yeah, 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 let's do it. Um, copywriting, for people who aren't familiar with what that term means, it's really just the act of creating words that compel someone to take a specific action, right? So it's not just writing something that, you know, makes people um, feel good or go, mm-hmm, that's, that's interesting. It's writing something that makes someone take an action like signing up for your email list or, um, you know, maybe buying a product from you. So when we talk about copywriting, usually the way that we're talking about it is, in relation to a sales page or a landing page of some sort where the words matter a lot, how you craft them matters a lot. Your ability to create a relationship with a person reading the page and uh, leading them through a, a sort of emotional arc where they go from uh, just being interested to wanting something that you're offering to actually taking uh, action on getting that thing. So copywriting is a thing that you have to um, practice and become good at. And a lot of us don't naturally have those skills. And so when we start out, we can be pretty ineffective at writing a landing page or a sales page. There are a lot of things that you have to put into place in order to get someone to actually take action. So a lot of people feel like they need to spend money on a copywriter. They believe that there are these magic people out there who know how to compel people to take action with their words. And if you hire them to write your sales page or your landing page, they will uh, get some really great results for you. And we're not saying that that's not possible or that you shouldn't hire a copywriter, but I will caution people because we've heard countless stories of folks that spent a lot of money and a lot of time on a copywriter only to find out that the page doesn't perform any better than the page that they had before. And I think 
There are a lot of reasons for that potentially, but generally what happens, and this is true of hiring almost anyone, is that there's no such thing as just being able to find someone, pay them money, and then wait you know, a month or two months until they come up with this magic result that works perfectly for you. What happens whenever you hire someone, whether it be a designer or a copywriter or an ad writer or anyone in your business, is you still have to invest a lot of time and effort into the project, even though you brought someone on, in order to unlock the power of what that person knows to apply it specifically to your business. So if you hire a copywriter, but don't give them adequate information about who your audience is, what problems they have, what fears they have, uh, and what you're trying to sell to them and why it matters, then they're not going to be able to do a very good job. Or if, let's say, your product is just not that compelling for some reason. You know, maybe uh, you haven't figured out why this solution matters, or maybe you haven't understood how your product fits in the competitive landscape, then no amount of great copywriting is necessarily going to be able to overcome the deficiencies in your product. So this is another example where, like Chase said earlier, money isn't magic. It is, um, it can certainly get someone to work for you, but until you have the hard things figured out, the who am I serving, how am I serving them, and how do I do this in a way that keeps me engaged and excited about it, spending money on copywriting may not lead to the results that you're hoping. Mm, I love that. I love that. Now, Steph, maybe you can talk to us for a second about like a lot of people. Uh, we all heard about Facebook ads or advertising on social media and stuff like that. How do you think us, an entrepreneur, a, a solo entrepreneur, someone who has maybe got a business going, but it's early days and they want to take it to the next level, w- or maybe they're just thinking of getting started and they're, they're just trying to get enough confidence to actually do it. How should these, this kind of person really be thinking about, uh, about Facebook ads? Maybe help them to like rent a, a, a seasoned entrepreneur's brain about that for a second. Yeah, Facebook ads is a really interesting one because I think it's one of the most common questions we get from our community in regards to like, you know, people who haven't even really set up a website yet or determined what their services are going to be start to ask about Facebook ads. And with good reason, a lot of businesses are definitely um, having a lot of success with Facebook ads with a lot of strategy. There's a pretty big learning curve and, you know, a bunch of caveats that go along with that. Um, But really in line with this whole conversation we've been having, I think Facebook ads are a tool. They are not the tool. And it's just important to remember that, again, I think it's it's important to not treat it as a shortcut. So I think if you haven't even gotten your services off the ground yet, you haven't started working with people and brought any revenue in, I'm personally a believer that you just got to table the Facebook ads. I would really not want to, you know, in my own business or in any business that I was mentoring, I would not want to see someone spending money on Facebook ads before you're cash positive, just because you really don't need to. Uh, go back through the Fizzle Show library and learn about a whole bunch of different ways that you can start to build an audience to get your first few clients under your belt. And then 
when you feel like you've gotten a lot of mileage out of, you know, a irresistible free offer on your website, like a lead magnet, or you've got some really fantastic podcast episodes that are gaining some traction, or you have something that you would like to get in front of more people, then you can start doing some research and learning a little bit more about what sort of low hanging fruit is out there in terms of Facebook ads. Usually the cheaper ads are going to be ones that are retargeting people who have interacted with you before or have been on your website. It's pretty expensive pretty quickly to reach a, a totally cold audience. So you have to um, really get get some knowledge and information in terms of what it's going to cost you because Facebook ads obviously is, is a big time pay to play uh, tool in your business. So I think my my quick thoughts on, on Facebook ads or advertising of any kinds is, is hopefully it's a relief for people to hear that you can really get pretty far by creating really valuable content using and leveraging your own network. Um, and then of course, like the ripple effect when people start to share your, your content and kind of growing the old fashioned way until you've got some revenue. And then you can start to learn about some of the easier ads that, that you can start to play with. You don't have to spend mm. a ton of money on Facebook ads in order to, to get some traction. Uh, but as we talked about at the beginning of the episode there, Facebook ads are this really crazy thing where you can spend $20 or you can spend $50,000 a month if you really wanted to. So it's one of those things that I think is an advanced strategy versus like a business critical, like introductory business um, asset. Yeah, love it. Okay, so we talked about web design and for resources for there, there's a course inside of Fizzle that I did, which is just for web design for non-designers. Okay, for specifically for business builders like yourself who want to have a site that looks and performs and, and actually works well, there's a course in there for that. That is really useful um, to get you thinking intelligently and, and kind of like, like I said earlier, like renting an entrepreneur's, a seasoned entrepreneur's mind about how should I be thinking about this? Then we talked about copywriting. And we have, I'll put this in the show notes, the 80-20 copywriting sketch sheet. All right, it's a free worksheet you can just download for free. It's what we use on just about everything that we do at Fizzle. It's really, really useful to help you getting into the skin and the mindset of the person who's going to be on the other side of your of the website who's actually reading it. You know, they don't know what you know. And there's this curse of the expert where you have to get out of your expertise and understand where they're coming from in order to truly communicate well with them. So that's the 80-20 copywriting sketch sheet, which we'll put for free in the show notes there. That's a, a utterly helpful. And then another resource there is Don Miller's story brand book. Like he's got the course and he's got like these workshops you can do. Highly, highly recommended if your business is making money. I think it'll change a lot of how you message your stuff. But the book itself is is the price of a book and and it gets you basically everything everything you need there. And that can literally you following that framework, you could just like make you can just make a sales page just following exactly what he says and it ends up working like pretty dang good, which is incredible. Then on Facebook ads, do you guys, where, like, where do you, Steph, do you have a resource in particular that you, do you think of as a helpful resource for people about Facebook ads? Yeah, there's definitely a few. First of all, we've had a Fizzler and friend of ours, Claire Pelletro, here on the Fizzle show. And maybe we can link to those episodes. It's just the one episode in the show notes. She's been on the Courage and Clarity podcast too. And she just shared a lot of valuable information about the basics of Facebook ads. So I would definitely 
check her out. She's at clairepels.com. I know she's got a course that you could take that would definitely be more cost effective than hiring a consultant. Um, she's a fantastic resource as well. There's another uh, really great course that I personally am, am working through myself called Facebook Everything by Courtney Foster Donahue. So I would say if you're going to get started with Facebook ads, I would look for a robust, well-reviewed um, DIY type of course versus working with a consultant um, with ads just just because like Corbett was saying earlier, nobody really knows your business better than you in terms of your needs. And uh, you can learn a lot. You can learn a lot just by like listening to those episodes that we have here on The Fizzle Show and on Courage and Clarity. But there's a lot of great free information available, but then some uh, very affordable courses you can take too to kind of teach yourself the basics. Nice. Corbett, anything you want to say in closing here? I hope that, uh, like you said earlier, uh, you or Steph said that it doesn't sound like we're trying to make money out to be a villain because it's not. Uh, I think what we're cautioning people against is feeling like you're not a legit business unless you spend money and also cautioning people against spending money too soon before you've figured out those three hard things that we mentioned uh, several times before, which are, again, who are you serving how are you helping them? And what can you offer that won't burn you out? Mm, love it. Love it, guys. Okay. That is Fizzle Show. This is 263. Is that right? I think it's 263. Mm-hmm. All right. That's episode 263 of The Fizzle Show. I hope you enjoyed this. Listen, as a listener to the show, you can get all the show notes at fizzleshow.co slash 263. Fizzleshow.co slash 263 for that 8020 copywriting sketch sheet for uh, for all the links and stuff that we mentioned. All of those, all those things. Um, and then also, as a listener to the show, you can go to fizzle.co slash toolkit. Corbett, is it toolkit or toolbox? Toolkit. Am I brain farting? Toolkit. On? It's toolkit. I know that. I, of course it is. That's the one I, that's what I said first. I wasn't even confused at all. So, toolkit. Fizzle.co slash toolkit. Now, you in there, you will get several of our favorite guides that are all totally for free. And then also the, the guide to the 10... We, we think the 10 best Fizzle Show episodes that every entrepreneur needs to take these Fizzle Show episodes on a walk with them so that they can get this info into their brain. Their, their brain needs this. I almost said brain balls because I always say into your eyeballs. Like, take this and watch this documentary. Put it in your eyeballs. And then brain balls, it just ended up, I don't know. It just it didn't feel right, Steph. You know what I mean? <laughs> it just didn't have that quality of like above above boredness that I feel like needs to be <laughs> needs to be especially when you're pitching for someone to go like actually get into your free sort of like content upgrade that's what this toolkit is it's a t- it's a content upgrade but the, but the difference between this and another one is is there's like actually like just so much good stuff in this like i don't know what you want do you want the 8020 sketch sheet because i think that's in there do you want the business sketch template because that's in there do you want like the audience guide because that's in there it's just there's so much stuff in there fizzle.co slash toolkit all right y'all thanks for listening so much find care take care serve hard and dig in we'll talk to you next week on The Fizzle Show.